0: Welcome to this week's episode of the How Are You Really podcast. This week, I'm here with Tia to talk about endometriosis. Do you want to introduce yourself, Tia?
1: Hi, I'm Tia. I'm a student and a personal trainer and was recently diagnosed with endometriosis.
0: So can you explain what endometriosis is to our listeners who might not know?
1: So endometriosis is basically for women when we have our menstrual cycle, We have a lining which sheds each month each month. And this builds up and sheds, and that's when we have our period. For people with endometriosis, that lining grows elsewhere in our in our body. And then that will shed and regrow, but not be able to go anywhere. So it can like mat organs together and stuff, and it will just grow anywhere in your body and will just continue to grow, essentially.
0: So when did you think you might be experiencing this? Or where did you find out that it existed?
1: In summer. 2020, I was really nauseous all the time and I couldn't do anything. Like I was just struggling to do anything. I was like scared to get a job. I was constantly feeling like I'm gonna be sick and then like getting the odd pains every now and then. But for me, it was nausea. That was a really big symptom that made me go, this isn't right. Um, But looking back now, I must have been experiencing this since I was like 16 because I've had symptoms in the past, but now I'm like maybe that was endometriosis. But that summer was when I went, something's not right, and I was also experiencing dodgy bowel movements. So because of those two symptoms, I was told I had IBD. So then that was put through, and that was not told. I was told it wasn't that, and then it was when I started getting bad. Tommy pains, like in my lower abdomen, when I went, this isn't to do with my bowel, this is definitely to do with my ovaries or that situation, essentially.
0: So how are these symptoms affecting other parts of your life?
1: So the nausea was really bad. So I felt like, I ate ginger religiously. <laughs> ginger, you're told it helps nausea. I had ginger teas all the time. Um, I was at the time qualifying to be a personal trainer and I was so scared to get my job because luckily we were in lockdown. So that meant as a student, everyone was online. And as it was during the summer, I had nothing to do, but trying to qualify to be a personal trainer and I can't step foot into a gym because the treadmills like the sound or like the feeling of the treadmills on the floor would make me feel even more sick, made everything just seem like it wouldn't be possible. And at the time I was having to help my family with their business and trying to help there and having to take naps in the back and stuff, it was just really draining and it was draining on a lot of other people as well because I wasn't able to function normally and it just affected day to day. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I was scared to go out in case I'd be nauseous, like socialising. Even now, I still feel like I struggle to socialise because I'm scared that the next day I'm going to be so ill or when I go out, I'm going to be ill and there's nothing I can do about it.
0: Yeah it sounds like it's had a really big effect on your life and I'm really sorry that you've had to go through this when there's not much awareness about endometriosis so like you said people make assumptions that it's something else that can make it harder to deal with.
1: Yeah and I think endometriosis isn't known by most GPs. It's not known by most people. I had never heard of it until one of my friends was like oh you might have endometriosis and I was like no I don't I don't have heavy periods so I went no I can't have that like that's that's heavy periods I can't have that um but it was painful sex which I didn't mention that was a big thing I would like just be like in so much pain and not knowing why and that like obviously affected that side of my relationship but it was fine I was really grateful I had a supportive boyfriend but for some people that isn't fine sometimes and that's the scary part of that as well because you don't know what's going on but yeah no one knows what it is really and people that do know it's hard to reach them it's really hard to get it and I'm very lucky to be in a privileged situation where I was able to go privately but a lot of people can't and if you're not it can take eight years to get diagnosed. And it's just, and how how do you tell your boss or your friends you're not well, but you don't know what's wrong? That's the worst thing is when you don't know what's wrong, you've not been told it, and you can't say to someone I'm unwell because you don't even know if you're unwell.
0: Yeah, so when did you decide to see a healthcare professional and would you say it was a positive experience for you?
1: Originally, it wasn't a positive experience. June 2020 was when I decided to see a healthcare professional because I wasn't feeling well. Um, and when I saw them, I was very much disregarded, constantly disregarded. And I was only seen instantly about IVD because it's a past thing in my family. But as soon as that was disregarded, I was disregarded and constantly disregarded, disregarded. And it took me until I had to say, I went to the GP, I physically went to the GP, which around the time of COVID was quite a hard thing to do. He pressed down on my abdomen and it hurt. I was like, that really hurts. And he was like, that's normal. And this is a thing so many people experience. We're told so many times, it's normal. It's normal for women to experience pain there. It's a part of your period, it's a part of your cycle. And it's not, and it needs to start being normalized. And that was a point where I went, I'm never going back there. I was like, I'm never going back, there, I'm not doing it. And luckily for me, in August, when all of this was going on, we were put onto medical insurance. And that basically was just a backfall in case I never got to be seen. And it took my mum saying, Tia, this isn't IBD, this isn't IBS, it's nothing to do about. that. It's, it's to do with like your hormonal situation and all of, we keep saying ovaries. it's not my ovaries, but that's just how I've referred to it. <laughs> Yeah, and when I went in March, it was on Good Morning, so Good Morning, All um, This Morning, normal Holly and Phil. They did a segment and, on endometriosis, and my mum paused it and went, "Here, come and watch this. I think you've got this." And it was from that point that I booked my appointment. And if it wasn't for Endometriosis Awareness Month, I would have never booked that appointment. I would have never thought that's what I had because it was that month when it was so discussed and you were able to see all the other symptoms that I was like right no that is what I've got that could be what it is and if it wasn't for that month I wouldn't have ever booked my appointment with my gynecologist.
0: That's such a positive experience of awareness that it's helped you in that way?
1: Yeah I think awareness recently is definitely the thing that's helped a lot of people get their diagnosis if it wasn't for me sharing my story another person that I know wouldn't have they had it so that like it's definitely helping people now it's just a shame we weren't made aware of it before
0: I definitely agree there can be problems with healthcare professionals not knowing about it and particularly with women's health it was yeah. international women's Day yesterday and there can be such discrepancies in the care of women compared to men and how women are expected to just live with pain
1: yeah and especially in ethnic minorities as well it's not even just like go to so many categories and so many people are just bobbed off essentially.
0: Yeah it's not being taken seriously and not being listened to that it can be such an issue in healthcare and hopefully when I'm a doctor I'll do better than (laughs) that GP that treated you but yeah, yeah I think it's important to be aware of healthcare professionals aren't always right and always seek a second opinion if you're not happy with your care
1: yes and one thing I'd always say is if you believe you've got something outright say it to them and then if they say no tell them like, right, can you write on my records that you didn't do tests for this and that they'll say right we'll do a test straight away but it takes being put away like being turned away so many times to realize that so if you are getting diagnosed with anything and you believe it is something, even if it isn't in the end, still push through those tests. Because until they test, they cannot say no. And if they haven't tested and they're like, no, it can't be that, then they're, they're, it's they're that wrong. So it's when you push through it, you get it, and it's ridiculous and it's scary having to be like actually no, but have things written down on your phone write down what you want to say how a conversation should go and just keep looking back at that so you feel comfortable and you know that everything you wanted to say has been said. So how has endometriosis affected your mental health? Mentally it's made me quite lonely not in the sense of oh other people don't have it but in the sense of I feel like I'm not able to do as much so like socializing now is so much harder and whether that's a me thing I know I know people that have it and their social lives are absolutely fine but for me it's a list of priorities uni and work come first and if I've got to save my energy I'm not going to go on that night out and being at uni where nights out are the biggest thing it's really hard to turn around and be like no and people are like why why aren't you drinking why aren't you doing this my so with endometriosis you get flare-ups and there are things that can trigger a flare-up for me alcohol is a big one so i don't drink anymore as a dose don't want to feel unwell um and when you say to someone i'm not drinking they're like why why not have a drink you're being boring and all of that makes it so much harder so then you just decide you know what i'm not going to go and it's just easier to have my own comforts but it is really lonely, and it's really frustrating, and it can be so exhausting because your body's so fatigued. Anyway, fatigue is a really big thing of endometriosis. It was a really big thing I had. I never really understood it when people like I feel fatigued. I was like, what do you mean? Like your whole body feels drained. Like you can't. You feel like you can't do anything, and that fatigue mentally makes it so hard to do your day to day tasks. And as someone who's Dealt with anxiety in the past, and I've been diagnosed with panic disorder. Having to know what I have control over is a big thing, and realizing what you can control and what you can't makes it a lot easier. But I don't. I feel like through time, you'll know what you're happy with and what you're not. But at the start, it's really isolating. It can be lonely, and it can just be really exhausting. But just know that the people around you do want to help you, and that's one thing I have to keep in mind myself. That I'm not a burden to anyone. So
0: you've kind of answered this question a little bit, but how do you look after your mental health and physical health now?
1: Physically, I try not to give myself too much to do. I work every other day, even though I'm at uni and that's a full time thing. I make sure that I'm only at work every other day. I won't ever let myself work two days in a row because I know that on top of uni is too much. And then one thing I'm really into my fitness, as you can help be a a personal trainer, I have to sometimes go, actually today, I can't work out because I know my body isn't gonna be able to cope with it. And that's taken going to fatigue when I'm training, being dizzy in a gym and having to sit down. It's taken pushing through that. I've walked out of the gym crying so many times. Like I walked into staff and someone's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I just can't train today. And it's frustrating, but knowing that if I don't train, I will be feeling better somewhere else is getting that balance. It's all about balancing it. And it takes trial and errors but just not giving myself too much to do is the best thing and making sure that I'm fueled and nourished. Um, I found out I had a gluten intolerance and I really didn't help myself when I eat pizza. And that is a physical, like not looking after yourself, but mentally pizza is great for me, but (laughs) physically it's not. So it's figuring, it's trying to get that balance between it and either accepting, you're going to be in pain if you do this and realizing actually some of it can be hindered. It can't all be, but what you can control trying I try my best to control that and then mentally honestly mentally it hits me like it's like a slap phase. one day I'll be fine the next day I'm not and that's something I'm still struggling with to get I give like I try if I know I've woken up and I'm not feeling very good it's kind of like I say I'm not feeling it it's like I'm fatigued mentally and physically I just go okay actually don't try and push anything today just take it easy one point I had to just sit, turn around to all my clients and be like look I can't come in today and making calls like that and re- and realizing it is okay to do that makes it a lot easier but it is mentally not quite there as I am with physically but it's everything's a learning curve
0: and that's definitely true that everything's a learning process and you will get better when you learn what's best for you I guess
1: yeah and the thing with this condition is that it's constantly changing as you age your body changes so your condition's gonna change so I think it's always gonna be a thing but trying to manage it will help
0: always putting yourself as number one is obviously the most important but how you look after yourself is always going to be changing
1: yes and it can be difficult to put yourself first but when you realize that it's not a nasty way to anyone else but no one will look after you the way you can look after yourself and there are times where i've just had a really bad week and like it could always always i don't have a really bad week when my boyfriend's here i feel bad for him but whenever he's staying with me for a week i have a bad week but having him help is really nice but i have to know when he's not there you have to do it yourself as well because only you can do it like you only have yourself so you're just gonna be kind to yourself and just do things that you know will make it easier. It, it sounds really lonely, but it's not. It's not. People will be there for you always, but you've always look out for number one, and that's yourself.
0: So what have been your happiest moments during recovery?
1: I'd say recovery's been, like, recovery's still happening, and I hope to have so many more happy moments during it. And I think it's not really recovery, it's dealing with it if that makes sense, like learning how to manage the pain and the stuff. I think there was one day I was, I must've just been having a busy day and just moving. And i realized I feel like my old self. And that was, I was driving and I literally mess with mum like, I feel like my old self. Like I have this energy, but I haven't had it in ages. And it was so random and there was nothing that caused it. But that day I was just driving to work and I was like, wow, this is a really good day. Like it was the first and probably only day, but I felt exactly how I did before I started feeling really ill and that was really nice and getting those moments but like just knowing that yes my body isn't great all the time but I'm still able to function more not everyone can endometriosis sure is different on everyone but for me I'm still able to do things like cheerleading which I love and like seeing my friends and stuff like that even though I just said socially I'm not very good at it but going and doing it is so good like we did a weekend away with a big group of friends and that was so good I was scared going into it and I took every form of like medication anything I could have to help me but it was so good and it's just things like that that make me go yeah this is rubbish but I'm grateful I'm in a place where I can still do all these other things and those days are when I'm like yeah this is good so my happy days are just when I'm feeling good in myself um, and like doing things that I love so there's loads of happy days but
0: No, that's lovely. You saying that you can still live with it and you can still be happy and be yourself.
1: Yeah, it can feel scary and daunting. But when you, it's all about learning to manage the pain. There are days where absolutely not, I can't do anything. But those days where you can, it's just trying to cherish those days more and you can't, you still do get it all, but it is just different, and I understand that for everyone, and I'm lucky that, so I haven't said this, but I've only got, I say only, I have stage one, so stage one is like, probably best case scenario, I don't think there's a best case or worst case scenario, but it's, it hasn't developed up to stage four yet, but even though I'm on stage one, I still, I'm still in so much pain, no matter what stage you have, the pain doesn't relate to the stage of where it is in your body, but Yeah, I can only speak from my own experiences.
0: So how would you support a friend going through what you went through?
1: I would say research what it is. It's when I first got out of my op and there were some people that were like, what is it? What even is it? And I'm like, they can come across as, look, I've literally just been told I've got this thing and I'm trying to recover. And you being like, oh, but what even is that? Isn't very helpful. I'd just say try and research what it is and how you can help because as much as i'm happy to educate people when i'm not feeling good the last thing i want to be doing is telling people what's wrong with me exactly what it is so it just also makes them feel like you care like you went and googled what it is like i had so many people that messaged me and were like i googled what it was as soon as i saw your post and that was when i that was like most of that was, I was like they do care but it's like it is just research it and then also just be patient like if someone's having to cancel last minute just know it's not because of you it's not because they don't want to see you it's because they either go and see you and they won't be with it or they know the next day they're not going to be able to function at all so it's just being patient researching and just being kind and there and present just like as every friend should be really I think that's just a general rule for everything it's just support them if you, you know they're going for a scam that day or something, just send them a little message like I'm thinking of you or something. And that all just gives you a little bit of a, you're not alone in it situation. But I feel like that's a rule of thumb. We're friends for everything. But yeah, just be there for them and be there for when they want to rant about it. Or if you don't understand it, that's fine, but just be someone there to listen to. We can't all experience everyone's pain, but just being there. And listening is the best help you can ever be.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand what you're talking about being an advocate, but also having been through something because as a a mental health advocate, and obviously you're an advocate for endometriosis, it's not our job to educate people. People should be able to educate themselves on it. and We're here to bring awareness, but people need to take responsibility for their own education. So, yeah, it's definitely important for people to do their own research and get their own opinions and thoughts about things. And it also just feels so much more supportive if people have put the time and effort into learning about something that you're having to live through.
1: Yeah, and it's one in 10 people have it. So I, in my friendship group, two of us have it. In my cheer team, two of us have it. Like, it's a thing that actually it's an uncommon disease that people don't know about, but so many people have it.
0: That kind of goes on to my next question. How would you change education around endometriosis?
1: So, yeah, from a young age in school, when you're taught the basics of periods and all of this and what comes with it, you never realise that there's so much more to it. So teaching young girls and boys that actually it's not straightforward for everyone. We're told some people can be infertile, but we're not told how or why. It's just a thing you're told. And by starting from a young age telling people that these are conditions you can experience will make them more aware of what's going on with their bodies and will make people like, I can start conversations at home with what you learn at school, you'll come home and you bring it to, you talk about at home and it can just make you more aware of what's going on and feel a bit more assured with what's going on with your body. So I think education schools is the first big step that needs to be made. It needs to be taught mandatory that these are conditions you can experience And that will just really help people to know what it was. To be learning at the age of 19 what endometriosis is and to never have heard of it before is really shocking when one in 10 women have it. It's shocking and it's horrible. And those eight years of diagnosis can be cut by half. Probably if you tell people at school that it's a thing because they're able to understand more what's going on with them.
0: Do you want to share a little bit about your recovery?
1: With endometriosis, the gold standard diagnosis is a laparoscopy. So some some gynaecologists may just say, oh, you've got endometriosis, we'll do this to help it. But the best way to get the diagnosis is a laparoscopy. That's the gold standard. And within that laparoscopy, they can remove the endometriosis. And this can be removed in two ways. So it can be removed from the root, or it can be removed from what they can see. So they can like essentially laser off what they can see. Or they can like pull it out like you would if you wax it like. So you can either shave it or wax it, essentially. That's the best way to describe it. And that was, I'd say if we're talking about recovery, that would be from when I was recovering, I guess, because that's when I was told. And one thing I never realized about laparoscopy is that it's not an easy surgery. <laughs> they tell you it's just a minor surgery. And then on the day you're told you're gonna get gas pumped into you. This is what's gonna happen. And finding it all out on the day it's almost too late to do anything so I was really lucky my nurse who came the next the day after I had my op so I found out I had I came out of my op the first thing I said was do I have it And they're like yeah and I just cried because I finally felt like I knew what was going on with me and you feel so drowsy and not with it and like your lungs really hurt like your rib cage you essentially pump gas into your body to separate your organs And they can get rid of what they can access, but what then gets trapped in your rib cage, can't get removed. So that's trapped then you have to remove it yourself essentially for a few days. And all I wanted to do was stay in bed. I didn't want to move. And my nurse that came in the next day, she had had a laparoscopy herself. And she was like, get up, come on, get moving, you have to. And if it wasn't for her telling me what to do, I wouldn't have known throughout that whole recovery. A laparoscopy can take Three weeks, it can take months to recover from. It depends how you react. So the first week essentially just in bed, trying to manage the pain, getting assistance, going to the bed, going for a shower, sitting down and stuff, and just trying to move around to get the gas out of. Week two, you start to feel a bit more functioning, and then you're like still pumping that gas out of you because it's still trapped and um, but and still needing assistance to get in and out of bed, but you're feeling a bit more yourself. And then week three is when I personally start to feel a bit more me I went somewhere and I was able to do stuff but it wasn't for like a good few months that I got my strength back and I'd say still now I got my laparoscopy done in May of 2021 and now I'm still fighting to get my strength back and that's just one thing it does take that away from you but that's also when you have your laparoscopy depending on how you have it done so if you do it for the NHS you have a good few weights few months until you get your post-ops checkup if you do it privately you get a post-op checkup within three weeks and I was lucky enough that every eight weeks from that point I've been seeing my gynecologist I've been getting medications I've gone through so many different medications trying to manage pain, finding out that I have painful bladder syndrome, that my IBS is a problem as well, and get a medication to supplement them. I realized the other day that actually out have all the medications I have, only two of them, or one is for endometriosis, the rest of for other symptoms you can get because endometriosis comes hand in hand with painful bladder syndrome, IBS, polycystic ovaries, all of that, you don't get one. You tend to have more than just one of them. Everyone's recovery is different, and it's still ongoing. But it's just learning to manage your pain and live with it. So recovery will be going on. It's not really recovery; it is living with endometriosis. Um, will be going on for the rest of my life, essentially. And that's just something that you're gonna you do have to deal with. You're not on your own with it, but it's just trying to figure out the best ways to manage it, basically.
0: So thank you so much for coming on my podcast today, Tia. Thank you for having me. So I've got my final question. What is a message you have for someone who's really struggling right now?
1: So I would say this to someone that's really struggling with things, something that could be endometriosis, is there's just don't give up with push into your diagnosis. Um it can be really frustrating, but just be kind to yourself and be patient because you will get there. And the more you get frustrated with yourself, the worse it's gonna feel. So just be kind and patient and essentially trial and error and hopefully through time there will be a light at the end of the tunnel there always is sometimes you just can't see it straight away thank you for having me and letting me share my part of endometriosis there are loads of charities and stuff that are raising funds to help people with endometriosis and if you are if you can and are able to donate to help with getting diagnosis and stuff by all means please do I'm sure Evie will link that below and just know that you're not alone if you have it and there's so many people out there Instagram's the best place for it Um, reach out to people don't let yourself feel like you're the only one because there's so many people and reaching out is the best way to learn new tips and to just be able to talk to people that understand what you're going through so yeah thank you
0: thank you for listening and I hope you have a lovely week